Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, and Oneness Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. You know, in these days, as a transmission once said, the pearls are cast. And we do have the privilege on the Spiritual Freedom Show of casting great wisdom um, among all those listening. And I think the people who are uh, wise enough to take these things on board are really um, proving themselves worthy of these pearls being cast. And those who aren't, well, that's their choice. But still, the teachings have to be given out. There's never been any teachings like these ones. I'm always joined on this show by Darren Ball, and uh, he is going to make another contribution, actually, today, which is really good news for us. You're all familiar with his voice. Now is an opportunity to hear about the teachings of the nine freedoms from his experience because he's another one, as all our guests are, who lives these in his life. Don't get me wrong, we don't do it perfectly, any of us. It's to a greater or lesser extent, but we're all people on this show who are striving to live the nine freedoms in our lives. Uh, Darren's a staff member here in London. Uh, He's a minister-elect, and in addition to producing this show, he actually helped to start 12blessings.org, which uh, is sending out thousands of prayer hours to the world. Uh, We're we're putting on online services at 12blessings.org several days of the week. So go there and you can see what's going on there and you can join in with it. Now, outside of his work for the society, he's active in the tech startup world. But today, he's going to be talking about an extract from a lecture on the first freedom bravery, this lecture delivered by the channel for the nine freedoms, primary terrestrial mental channel, Dr. George King. What is happiness? Happiness is laughter of the mind and that only. But joy, joy is laughter of the soul and it's a lasting thing. One can be joyful and compassionate and sad at the same time. But one cannot be happy and compassionate and sad at one and the same time. It's a no figment of reality is happiness. It's just a transient thing. It all struck me, this difference between happiness and joy, and I love the way that Dr. King has characterized it here. I came across an article online recently about happiness, and apparently the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle made a distinction between two different types of happiness, somewhat similar to what we've just heard here, hedonia and eudaimonia. Hedonia is described as the type of happiness derived from pleasure, in other words, doing what feels good, even if it isn't always literally good, things like fulfilling desires, experiencing enjoyment, etc. But eudaimonia is something more akin to the joy that Dr. King describes, something we experience when we feel like our life has meaning, value, and purpose. It's associated with things like fulfilling your responsibilities, investing in long-term goals, living up to personal ideals, and most importantly, a concern for and indeed doing something to help other people in need. 
So in short, on the one hand, pleasure, and on the other hand, meaning. Now, in my experience, I have never felt more fulfilled than in my spiritual work for others. Let me explain. In the Nine Freedoms, we learn that we are all aspects of God, and that God's purpose for the whole of creation is to evolve back to the divine source from which it came in the beginning, conscious of all experience. But materialism dominates the way that we are currently conditioned by the world around us, a lot of advertising being a classic example. And little by little, this largely negative influence makes us believe that fulfillment lies in what is outside of us, not what is inside. We're programmed to strive for materialistic things such as greater wealth, worldly status, and power. Things that indeed bring us temporary happiness, but will never bring us joy in and of themselves, especially if they're used for selfish ends. Wealth, worldly status, and power can be good if they're used to help others, but again, as an end in and of themselves, they're not at all what life is really about. As a young graduate, I didn't have any of these things, but even striving for them, even the desire for them, left me feeling empty. Was this all that life amounts to? Fleeting moments of happiness, punctuating the subtle agony of knowing you're not fulfilling your mission in life, your spiritual destiny, or even worse, a worldly life believing in the materialistic idol? Some people know that I grew up in Singapore, and there used to be this joke in Singapore about the five C's, basically the five things that were considered to be the most important priorities in life. Cash, car, credit card, condominium, and country club membership. <laughs> and I actually had a look while I was writing this, and apparently there's now a, a new set of five C's, uh, but they're just more of the same, really. Or as they say elsewhere in Southeast Asia, same, same, but different. I think Alexander Solzhenitsyn described it best, actually, when he said that men have forgotten God. So let's affirm instead what life is really about. Life is about reaching upwards to spiritual truth, to our highest aspirations. It's about turning inwards to the God spark, to our essence. But most importantly of all, life is about reaching out in selfless service to others, helping people in need. And better yet, at least as far as my own life goes, making every effort I can to change the world. And as it turns out, selfless service is the key to raising the mystic power of Kundalini in its entirety. A mystic power in all of us lying virtually dormant in the base of our spine. And according to Dr. King, raising this power is the only reason we are here. It's the meaning of life, as it were. What could be more meaningful than the meaning of life? What could give us greater fulfillment than fulfilling the one and only reason we are really here? The great humanitarian Albert Schweitzer famously said, I don't know what your destiny will be, but one thing I know. The only ones among you who will be really happy are those who will have sought and found how to serve. Now, I think we can all agree the happiness he's talking about there is eudaimonia, joy. Think about it. Think about it for a moment. Is there any greater joy than playing your part to make the world a better place? Or any greater sense of purpose than realizing your spiritual destiny? Is there any higher personal ideal than helping to relieve the suffering of others and ultimately helping them to help themselves attain their own enlightenment? One last thought I'll share because Dr. King alludes to it at the end of that extract. Strangely, I found that joy and happiness can often be at odds with each other, at least some of the time, which makes the distinction between them even more stark and the desire for joy within myself even greater. Service is work, after all. I don't think we can shy away from that fact and we shouldn't try to hide it either. It takes effort and energy, time too, of course. Time and energy that perhaps I would have spent in some other more selfish way previously. Service might even be difficult or trying in some way. Many people put a life of ease aside, even risk their lives in the name of service. 
Think of the person who leaves all the comforts of home for a developing country to start an orphanage, taking in street kids in a slum somewhere. Or someone who runs into burning buildings to rescue people who are trapped. Or someone who spends hours upon hours sending out spiritual energy through prayer for the benefit of world peace and great enlightenment. Ah, but the feeling of joy, of a life worth living, of a destiny fulfilled, of a mission served, there is simply no happiness that compares to the laughter of the soul. And that's what I mean when I say that I have never felt more fulfilled than in my spiritual work for others. What a fantastic uh, extract you selected there, Darren. Really, really good. And have you got it in front of you? Uh, actually, I do. I do. Um, so I do. in there, he, he, there's one bit where he talked about happiness and joy. And I think he said in joy, you can have compassion, sadness and joy. Have I That's got that right? He says one can be joyful and compassionate and sad at the same time. Yeah, but you can't be happy and compassionate but, and sad at the same that's time. Right. Yeah. It's a very brilliant point. Uh, uh, and it just goes to show what a great master Dr. King was and how he really understood life. And he was born, of course, with mm. that knowledge being at the avatar that he was. Uh, mm. It's a very great teaching and it's easily provable. You've only got to look at some people who've had everything and pursued everything that uh, should make them happy, and they're not. They're miserable. Not everyone. Some people are so su superficial and lacking in spiritual advancement that they think they are fulfilled by happiness and yeah. not joy. Uh, they're, they're, they are uh, younger souls. They'll come a stage where they'll need to move on from that. Uh, I don't want to sound patronizing there, but that's basic spiritual teaching. But so often people have the money, the wealth, the everything, that, and, and still they're not fulfilled, still they're miserable, still a little crease in their bed linen makes them unhappy. A little bit of dust on a table makes them unhappy. Uh, this is not... This is not real fulfillment at all. So what a brilliant one and what a great choice. Thanks very much for that, Darren. Now, Yeah, real gem in his teachings there. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's uh, come to our question for today. Yeah, so if you're tuning in for the first time, you can find out more about The Nine Freedoms, Mars, Sex to Six, and Dr. George King by visiting our website. That's ethereus.org, A-E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S.org. And if you have a question or a comment, an experience even that you'd like to share and for us to share on the show, do get in touch with us at spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. Um, I've got an interesting question here, Richard, um, I think from someone who's, who's obviously read a little bit about our, our teachings in general. Um, and they say this, we often hear about great spiritual masters, quote unquote, taking karma upon themselves for the sake of humanity. I can imagine what it means for a human to suffer, but what does it actually mean for a master to suffer? Very good question and a very deep question, which really needs quite a bit of time to answer it. But I'll just sketch out some of the points. First of all, you've got to analyze, is this the master we're talking about, an earth master, an unascended earth master? Or is it an, an avatar um, or, or an ascended master? It's very different karma in, in those two cases. If you're taking an unascended earth master, if they're capable of it, yes, they could take karma on themselves, which is not theirs, uh, which is for the sake of others, for a particular purpose, either to help a student perhaps of theirs or students, or even to help mm. the world as a whole. Because that person hasn't yet ascended, though, this must be part of their karmic progress. So it will help them in the long run in their evolution on Earth. 
An ascended master doesn't need to be here. They've agreed to be here in the so-called Great White Brotherhood, certainly as it used to be known. Um, an avatar such as Dr. King, such as Sri Krishna, such as Sri Ramakrishna, who actually took on throat cancer, took it on for the benefit of, of the world and his students. Um, and Dr. King definitely took on karma and told me so with some ill health he had in the end of his life. And we know that Jesus took on terrible karma through, and so on. I think probably my guess is that every avatar has taken on karma, but they don't benefit from it. They've got nothing on this earth to gain at all by taking on that karma. So it's an even more selfless act. But you've got to be a master to be capable of doing that, taking on karma for others. A spiritual worker, by the way, who is not a master, can help to shoulder the load, as it were, of world karma. And people who work, let's just say, to send out spiritual energy for peace uh, in Ukraine or peace in the Middle East, um, they're not taking on karma, but they are manipulating, as well as their own karma, they're manipulating world karma by doing that. And they can take in a way, introduce a lot of stress, worry, and hard work into their life. In certain cases, it might even affect their health. I'm not recommending that, but they, it could do through the hard work they do and so on. Um, but it's it, that's slightly different. We're talking here, I think the question is talking about a master who's able to really take mm. on through a manipulation, a karmic condition, such as in the case of Ramakrishna throat cancer, which wasn't his to have for a specific purpose. So that's the distinction I would make, the avatar or ascended master and the real earth master who's still progressing on the journey to enlightenment. And well, they are already enlightened, but they're progressing towards ascension. Thanks, guys. I think it's good for, for us all to be conscious that we're, you know, we're here by the grace in many cases of the, the suffering that many of these great beings take upon themselves to make it possible for us to continue through experience in this way. It's an act of supreme service to do that uh, and capability, mm. but a real sacrificial mm. act of service. And service, of course, as we know on this show, is the jewel in the rock of attainment. 